0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Ich wart seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt Als wär's ein Rhythmus, als gäb's sein Lied Das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen
1: zieht Komm die Hello and welcome to Gegenpressing, the German football podcast from the Football Grad Network. I'm your host, Bryce Dunn. Let's start off today's show by going over this weekend's results. So on Friday night we've seen the Eagles soar higher and higher as Frankfurt managed to put an impressive seven past Dusseldorf in a 7-1 victory, yes seven, we'll be discussing that at the start of the show. Then Manu's... Curse continued with Leverkusen as they managed a 2-2 draw with Hanover, only getting a late strike, which saved any further blushes. Stuttgart's per-season continued as Dortmund's great season continued. Dortmund winning 4-0, yes, 4-0, to keep them top of the Bundesliga by three points. Vintage card, Ian Ovesburg, didn't see much of a classic performance, though. As it was nil-nil against RB Leipzig, a game that we probably will not be discussing, Wolfsburg hoped to pile on more pressure on Nico Kovac as the champions came to town. But unfortunately, it was a three-one victory for the Munich side. Jürenburg won Hoffenheim three. Union Nagelsmann side it got back to winning ways with two goals from English youngster Reece Nelson. Late kickoff game seeing Schalke nil. Verder Bremen, too. The late kickoff game, seen Schalke's per-season continue, as Bremen, yes, continue to stay in the top three. Unbelievable. We move on to Sunday. Yes, Herther were held to a 1-1 draw with Freiburg, a game that started off rather brightly, but managed to fizzle out into a rather poor affair. Final game of the weekend, see more goals. Yes, a 4-0 victory for Borussia Mönchengladbach. Over minds. And yes, we'll be talking about that. And Eunice Hoffman, we managed that hat trick as well. So, guys, we go into this uh, show. It's number 100. Yes, 100. Who would have thought all back about three years ago, Chris Williams, we'd be uh, doing this show with such a fantastic special guest today, too.
2: Uh, no, I don't think anyone would have thought we'd got to 100. Maybe some people listening will be wondering how we got to 100, but we can probably debate that later.
1: <laughs> I hope not. Hopefully there's been many highs and not many lows. Manu, Vett, you've been along for the ride the whole way too. Um, Who had a thought? 100, eh?
3: Yeah, it's it's an accomplishment. I mean, this is almost three years now, so I think we can be quite proud of reaching 100 episodes. And uh, hopefully get another hundred in.
1: Yeah, most certainly that's the attitude. We've we've seen many, many goals, and we've got a lot to discuss this weekend with 32 going in. But as I mentioned, we do have a special guest with us today. And if you're into the Bundesliga at all, I'm sure you're going to know uh, this guest very well. Yes, we'd like to welcome on for the very first time Archie Ryan Tuss. Archie, thank you very much for taking the time out and coming on to our 100th show.
4: Thanks, Bryce. Pleasure to join you all uh, for such a special
1: occasion as well. Yeah, well, Archie, uh, just for anyone who isn't familiar with you, um, could you just explain where do you work or, or what exactly you do um, that's related to the Bundesliga?
4: Sure. Uh, well, I am Fox USA's on-the-ground Bundesliga reporter since the start of this season. I also do post-match interviews for the DFL, so for the Bundesliga most weekends. I was in Berlin this weekend for Hertha against Freiburg, for example, and I was in uh, Wolfsburg for Bayern's victory there as well. So I found myself uh, over the past few years as well by writing about the Bundesliga for various people as well that I've I've gone to most places and as a result been fortunate enough to, to bump into Chris and Manu in, in various
1: places as well. Yes, indeed. And Archie, may, may I just ask, you, you're London born and bred, yeah?
4: I am. I am indeed, how, yes. How, I'm based you, in Cologne.
1: I was going to say, how did you get into the Bundesliga? It's a bit of a complicated
4: story. Um, I, I remember my first real taste of Germany was only back in 2008, really, when I went on a history trip with school. And I was on the steps in Nuremberg overlooking what is a very prestigious his- historical site um, for, for unpleasant reasons. However, such was the way that my brain was wired and, and, and has been wired, for, I would say, probably since childhood. Uh, I was kind of more interested in the fact that there seemed to be lots of people in maroon and blue walking towards this rather odd structure in the distance, which was Nuremberg's Max Morlock Stadium. Um, which was for Nuremberg against Hansa Rostock. It was a game that I wasn't allowed to go to because we had to get on the bus to go somewhere else. Um, but that kind of lit a fire somewhere. And then I I went and travelled around Germany a little bit more after I left school in that. And, and 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 kind of from there, I just got more and more into it. You you kind of get addicted after a while. I think the more that you get to know the teams and the stories and the characters, like Christian Streich from Freiburg, for example, they're very engaging. As well, and 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 as somebody who was brought up very much on an English footballing diet, I think that that the Bundesliga is is a very interesting proposition just to watch as a fan, and and, and particularly in terms of the way that the league treats its fans and, and the rights that the fans have. So I think that the whole, yeah, the the idea of kind of comparing and contrasting the whole time—that's almost what I see my role as a lot of the time—is is something that, yeah fascinates me whether it's linguistically as i've found in terms of learning the language that's 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 quite a challenge uh, but 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 also just culturally in terms of moving over as well has been has been something which i've really enjoyed even if every time i go and play five a side with my mates over here and i make the slightest mistake when i go in goal you will get absolutely hammered for for english goalkeeping germans love nothing more than calling you out for that <laughs>
3: As they should. <laughs> I have to attest <laughs> yeah, to Archie, yeah. having having heard you speak German, your German is excellent. So far, so good,
4: Manu. Let's see how it goes the next time, but thank you.
2: Not only is his German excellent, I've heard him speak on UEFA TV Spanish. Yes, I can. Yeah, I, the, uh, I can speak confirm. To, who was, or was it, Anton Griezmann, who's either Spanish or French you spoke to me, and I can't remember, but I was most impressed by that.
4: Yes. That was, that was Antoine Griezmann. That was after the, uh, Europa League final. I should say I do have, have done stuff for presenting for UEFA's, uh, Facebook live project as well. So yeah, that was, that was switch. Yeah. Try to keep up, but unless you're actually living in the country or indeed have, have been born there, have relatives, it's, it's not the easiest thing to do as I've discovered. But yeah, I try and, I try and keep my eye in,
1: uh, for, for want of a better cricketing analogy. <laughs> Oh, very talented! Eh? You're putting us to shame, Archie. Eh? Um, but guys, I suppose we better talk about uh, some of the football over the weekend because we've got a lot to discuss. About, especially a lot of goals. Um, I, I suppose we might as well start with the Friday night game, as we've seen, and as I mentioned, uh, Frankfurt winning seven-one. Um, Manu, let, let's go to you. Let, let's talk about you—the know, the fact that uh, Luca Jovic managed to score five goals. He's only 20. This is a a, a fantastic feat.
3: He's the youngest um, player to do this in the Bundesliga. And um, today the news was actually that Frankfurt are going to exercise his uh, buy-on clause. Um, He's he's on loan from Benfica. It was a very difficult transfer for Benfica at the time because um luka Jovic's his contract back at the um, red star before he moved over to benfica was actually a third-party ownership contract so there was a bunch of legal problems when he first moved to benfica never really settled there and then um the the big issue was of course that he didn't get playing time and then he frankfurt loaned him and in their infinite wisdom put in a 12 million euro clause um to make the Transfer permanent. And that seems like very, very good money invested at the moment because they, they're going to trigger that clause. Um, transfer mark today issued the new, um, transfer values, um, on Bundesliga players. And he's gone from 12 to 20 million euros. So I think, uh, for Frankfurt, um, I mean, we've, we've talked about this already last year, right? With Freddie Bobic and the transfers that he's is this wheeling and dealing that he's been doing you now for, um, the better part of three years. He's excellent when it comes to identifying players like Jovic that have maybe fallen a little bit um, out of favor at their former clubs and were therefore therefore available um below transfer value. And um, he's able to get those players, bring him in, and get them to play with the coach that gets them to play better. Um, Ante Rebic is a good example. Jovic is a great example. I mean, Haller has been excellent. So I think Frankfurt is... We were worried a little bit about them before the season um, started because how would the transition be from Kovac to Hütter, right? Um, but I think those worries can now easily be put to bed. And that performance on Friday was amazing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It was very impressive. I know the three of us were messaging each other just saying how impressed we were. Um, Archie, if we go to you on this, I mean, we look at just how impressive their start has been and the amount of goals that they managed to to score on on Friday night. Um, How how long can this last for uh, Eintracht Frankfurt? I mean, what do we think they can finish in, in the league this season?
4: I certainly think they can mount a challenge for the top half. You look at how much they've improved even over the course of just three months when they played against Bayern. I was really worried for how this season was going to go. I think as we've been able to see in terms of the automatisms um, I, I, that's, that's definitely not the English way of saying it and that's very much borrowing a German phrase for it. but the way that the way that how how fluid this side has become so quickly how Adi Huter has managed to make Philip Kostic look a really excellent prospect again when he'd just been so flaky for Hamburg for example and managing to get the best out of Sebastian Haller as well that Transition from Kovacs to Hudsa has, has been very much from a side which was always kind of a safety first, the German answer to Atletico Madrid, I think as El Freunde in Germany put it as well, to a, to a side which is now more comfortable with, with taking the, the initiative against the less dominant sides in the division, like Fortuna Dusseldorf, like Hanover previously as well. I think it's been really impressive and, and that they've been able to carry that form into the Europa League as well against Lazio and Marseille. I wasn't necessarily expecting that. So, Long way to go in the season, of course, but I think that actually there's some strength in depth there in, in, in the Frankfurt squad. And yeah, all credit to Freddy Bobic, as as Manu was saying there, because I, I think that particularly after the expectations were set so very high with Nico Kovac leaving the club with that DFB Cup win, I think that the star that Adi Huta made has probably been the best that they could have hoped for.
1: And Chris, if we go to you, we discuss about you know, their possible hopes, you know, for the Europa League. I mean, what can they possibly achieve there, or do you think really they need to uh, just fight on one field?
2: Well, I, I probably would have said they needed to concentrate on one field, Bryce. But the way they've started the Europa League has, has been phenomenal. In all the games I've watched, the you know the the three. They're going for three straight wins in this. I don't think I would have envisaged them going over to France and winning. I certainly wouldn't have envisaged them taking apart um, Lazio the way they did. That was a phenomenal game, even with the sendings off. Um, but they've been able to carry on, not just in the Europa League, but coming back and winning. This was my main problem. I thought, or not my main problem, my main concern for them was how would they deal with the uh, the European battle rhythm? So playing either on a Friday or a Sunday and then playing midweek, um would it be Sunday, Thursday, how would they cope with that? So far they've coped with it quite well. So I would say you know, carry on the way they're going, which is exceptional and especially after the start they had. I mean, they were battered in the super cup. Um uh, and I and I did worry for them then. But they turned things around, it's, in essence it's only a preseason game, isn't it? And mm. you know, when the season started, they've started well but Friday night was was fantastic. And I personally think that's just carried on from, from before the international break when they were playing very, very well, especially in Europe. And I'm going to be really excited to see them this week because the way they're playing, I think they could absolutely put five or six past, um, past the side they're playing as well.
3: Yeah, I, I think what's impressive too is just the depth because they played this game without Ribic, right? Who, um, we all... Th- Everyone has been raving about Rebich since the World Cup. Um, and they've managed to, they just seem to have so many attacking options in in that squad or just options all around that they can just compensate for players. So they have, they have a lot of depth. And I think that's probably the most impressive part about it that they, they have been able to assemble. And when we first started doing this podcast, they used the analogy of our 100 podcasts. We, we sort of looked at them. And then when they had three or four key players go out, remember, and this was when the Atletico, madrid analogy was made too is that they were playing such hard football that they struggled with injuries and suspensions now over the last three years or so since we've been doing this there's almost been this evolution with this side that they've gone from a. I think there's still elements of that atletico madrid there's like this 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 combination of hard football and technical football but at the same time it's it's really interesting how they have managed to really grow this club in the last three years, and I think that is really um, something that I impresses me. That even when key players are out, they can still play their football.
1: That's it. Um, I mean, Archie, if, if we look at it, I mean, uh, before the international break, they managed to beat uh, Hoffenheim, which is a fantastic achievement. Uh, it, it looks like they're set to get through their uh, Europa League. Group as well at the moment, but you know they've got ties coming up against Nuremberg and Stuttgart, which um, is, is is going to put them in, in some impressive form in in the, in the coming week. You'd back them to win those games quite easily, the way
4: that both Stuttgart and, and Nuremberg have have started to to tip towards recently. But I, I I wouldn't underestimate necessarily as as Chris is is pointing out there the strains that the Europa League can. And bring and, and particularly, I, I think that's the challenge because that's the difference between a mid-table side who, who will potter about, uh, around, around that, that sort of area in the division and, and a side that really wants to go and challenge for the European places. Are you able to put away sides like Nuremberg and Stuttgart in indications like that, along with trying to play European football? I think that, yeah, for, for the long term, Success, you have to credit Freddie Bobic there, and yeah, in in terms of the transition that they've made from from being the Atletico side, I think the fact that that Carlos Sambrano is no longer there has has maybe helped in terms of that transition now, because uh, I think he was one of the uh, harder characters in the Bundesliga uh, of the past years, and and yes, not seeing David Abraham, uh, David Abraham at at the back there, uh, for example, is is, it it doesn't quite give it the same busty touch that it had under Vigo Kovac for example but but yeah I I think they made a very strong start to the season just interested to see now if they can keep that
1: going even into the new year yeah absolutely I'm I'm sure the fans will be hoping that things continue down that road it wasn't the only interesting thing uh, to go on on Friday, um, uh, which, uh, yeah, everyone's laughing. It, it is a bit ridiculous in that. I think, Manu, we've, we've got to go to you for this, haven't we? Um, so Bayern Munich, no, they didn't play on Friday, but they were certain, certainly making all the headlines, or not making the headlines. Um, the, the floor is yours on this one.
3: Oh, you trying to get me banned from the buffet.
1: <laughs> I <I've> said <so. laughs> I'm, I'm clinging on to any hope that one day I might be there. I'm
3: saying (laughs) nothing. Yeah. Just the way uh, they want it. It's, it's another epic, uh, press conference, I guess. Um, I think I have to put this a little bit into context. This press conference was very harsh. Um, there was a lot of things said, especially by, um, a particular Oli, Oli H, Oli Hoenez, the president of Bayern. Um, (laughs) So I grew up in Munich and I'm very much aware of the the, 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 press and the way the press works in, in Bavaria is, um, is a lot harsher in terms of language than the rest in Germany. So when I first read this, I was like, okay, well, this is, this is quite typical. But then I also realized that we haven't seen anything like this in a good six, seven years. And I think that this is something that's why I'm saying this is why we have to put this into context. So the last time Bayern struggled was under Louis van Hall. And we had press conferences like that and statements by Uli Hurnes. He is someone who puts up his sleeve and puts the fist on the table and then will say something that you would usually only say in a beer hall, um, among friends after you had four or five pints of Bavarian beer. So that's five or six litres, right? So that's 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 the attitude he comes with. But he hadn't had to do this in five Five, six years, really. And, um, in those six years, and I think this is really where we have to put into perspective how long Bayern's success has been going on. Because six years ago, Twitter was in its infancy. It was a very small little, it was not, it wasn't like today where every comment was commented right away. Media didn't go around the world. A Bayern press conference wouldn't be felt like a a global, global kind of event. And I think that's how the Bayern bosses in some ways approached this. They approached it the same way than they did uh, in 2010. And um, I think they were in some ways kind of maybe even surprised because Rummenigge today said, uh, well, maybe some of those comments weren't quite right. Um, I think they almost underestimated in some ways how the media world has changed. Um, you cannot longer treat a, a v- treat a football club or a media event at a football club like a Stammtisch in a beer tent. I think that is really the number one thing that I took away from it. Because for me, I'm like, okay, well, I've seen this many times before. And then I realize, oh, well, yeah, but it's been six years and the world really has changed. So that's really, I think, I look at all of this and the, the feedback that they're getting from Süddeutsche Zeitung wrote a great um editorial on this. Really hilarious, really funny. um the target site to Chris you sent me this yesterday wrote five hundred words that were just alles is super super, super, super super using copy and paste um I think they are getting the sort of feedback that they deserve after um, a memorable press conference, but you know, I'm really curious to hear like what for, for example, what you have to say about this Archie because um you don't have the same context and background than I do when it comes to, to buy in in particular no.
4: I don't, I have to say, to me, when you're giving this sort of press conference, the first thing I think is, what do you want to achieve with this? And quite simply, given the run of form that they've been on recently, I think the first thing that they were trying to do was just make, was just try and create a smoke screen. Albeit successful smoke screens are not recognized as smoke screens. So I think they failed on that point there for a start. The way that Hassan Salihamidzic... As sporting director, I think was just undermined so publicly with Rummenigge, for example, cutting across uh, one journalist that w- at one point to stop Sallyhammerditch um, Sally from, from answering at, at uh, for a at, at one stage. I think that showed his position in the hierarchy was confirmed, as, as many people think it is, i.e., that he just doesn't play all that an important role there. But also the the hypocrisy of, of, of Uli Hernis, not. Not that that's the first time I would say that we've probably said that. Um, for him to, to go and call out Juan Bernat, uh, for nearly costing Bayern the Champions League, if we exclude the swears, uh, in there, <laughs> um, that, that he was talking about just a short amount of time after, uh, K- Karl Heinz Romaniger has talked about the lack of respect that is being given to Bayern. I, I, I just think that they sounded so incredibly tone-deaf. The thing that really came across to me is this is not really about the press. This is about their frustration about how football, as they see it, is is has moved away at the has moved away from them at, at such a speed. Bayern are no longer one of the very top clubs, I would say, in European football. They cannot challenge anymore financially, or or they can, but they choose not to. And I think that their frustration is this almost that this realisation as they've been seeing their team this season. And, and even last season, OK, they came within a whisker of the Champions League. But I wouldn't say that we've seen, since Pep Guardiola left Bayern play the sort of consistently good football uh, that they had previously, as they had done under Jupp Heynckes and, and Guardiola. And, and you're seeing players who were able to hit heights that they've just not hit in the past few seasons with them. And I think that that all comes into this as well.
3: Yeah I think you mentioned something very interesting there the the fact that they feel they can no longer challenge I don't think that realization has quite set in yet and um maybe back in their hats um Hernes in particular he realizes that that's maybe going on but I think that they the the way that they handled the coaching hiring for example right um, or the, the fact that they thought they could just get away with, um, not signing new, new players to replace R- Ribéry and Robin, for example. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's very old school Bayern. Um, it's the sort of approach that we've seen for, for most of the era. Um, the one exception being when they signed Robin and Ribéry, when they went out and made big money transfers, it's, it's not really in their DNA to, to go out and do this. Um, um, occasionally they have and they have been successful with it. So I think, I think they they haven't quite realized that the the world has really changed. And they think they can still do it the old-fashioned Bayern Munich way. Uh, and maybe the realization is coming slowly. But I think there's another aspect here. Oli hernes and Rummenigge are now getting to an age where they have to think about retirement at some point, right? And Hurnes, of course, um, his entire reign is overshadowed by the fact that he went to jail um, for tax evasion. So he's really trying at the moment to build himself um, the club make the club almost like a monument to himself, and I think that sort of almost overshadows overshadows their, what they want to do want to do with the club um It seems to be almost reactionary rather than a long term vision and that's something that is really missing for me at bayern at the moment
1: i mean if I bring chris into this as well i mean chris uh, Archie mentioned that you know that the Bayern, you know, have to choose to spend really to to get involved you in the Champions League, you know, and, and hit the heights that they want to again. Um, and we see that with the inconsistency as well, don't we? But we, we've mentioned previously that you know that they're probably planning to um, spend big this coming summer you know after the last one being a little bit more muted um do you think that it's not just transfers that need to come in but a little bit like what Manu's saying and actually internally a lot needs to change for the club as well
2: oh I think if you try and change too much at once you end up with a with a bad mix of um of incomings that maybe don't gel completely and you certainly don't want that off the pitch in, in the boardroom as well as on it so is it the right time for them to step down? Probably not. I think this will be, or it could be, a really good learning curve for them about, um, and Manu and Archie have both said it, how maybe football's changed drastically. Uh, and this might be a little bit of a wake-up call to show them maybe they can't do this as much as they thought they could have done. and And how can they take the club forward? Because inviting the press into an emergency press conference and then shouting at them is not probably going to get everybody on side. And, you know, Manu's already mentioned the articles that have fallen out for it, which is quite you know, frankly hilarious. And in this day and age, that was always the response that was going to happen. Um, I'm not sure whether they'll spend big in the summer, Bryce, because it's not being done before. There's a number of questions dodged at that press conference, uh, most notably the one about Sanchez. So, um, We'll just have to see how it goes uh, for them. But I think they'll have probably learned a valuable lesson um, from Friday's um, shockwaves that have gone out. And they're probably hoping that it's all just going to be about the football from now on.
4: I'm not sure spending wildly is the answer. I'm not saying that you're implying it there, Chris. I, I think that if they were to do that, they've almost missed the boat on that one that ship has sailed in terms of the way that Bayern have dominated over the past years. I don't think that the Bundesliga is an attractive enough destination for, for these top names to come to. The, the amount that Bayern would have to sacrifice in terms of their pay structures and, and the way that that would then get certain players backed up, I don't think it's worth ruining the disharmony in the squad, even if they probably should have, have done that very thing for their pay structures if they were to have kept Tony Kroos all that time ago. Um, but that said, I think the biggest thing I take out of this is the general discord there is at Bayern because the reactions to this as well. If you if you listen to the post match reactions in Wolfsburg, for example, I tried to ask Thiago about it on on Saturday, but uh, received a a w- w- we're just looking forward at the next game and trying to focus on the future, which wasn't all that surprising. But Joshua Kimmich came out and very much supported what. Uli Hurness and Karl-Heinz Rummenigge said, saying it was good that they were coming out and trying to protect the team in this manner. But the difference is, no one else was really singing from the same hymn sheet as Kimmich. There was no memo, it seemed, that had really got round. Nico Kovac was particularly caught. He almost seemed a little bit embarrassed in terms of talking about it. And if you are Bayern and you are the most important club in Germany, if you're even having to say that, I think, as Uli Hurness, then it shows how insecure and worried you are about the state that this club is in. I think that the moment that Bayern gave this press conference, it gave a big advantage to Borussia Dortmund, who might have maybe been a little bit worried ahead of going to Stuttgart. If if I was a Borussia Dortmund player, player and I was watching that press conference, I would I would be thinking, Bayern are rattled. And we are not going to have a better chance to reclaim the Bundesliga, uh, perhaps in a couple of years, than,
1: than this current opportunity now. Yeah, um, I think you could be right there, Archie. But let, let's talk a little bit about the on-field antics then for uh, the reigning champions on Saturday. Uh, Manu, was this a response from the players? Do you feel um, them winning this three-one? I know that uh, Robin was sent off, but they they still got the job done. They they hadn't won their previous four games.
3: I thought it was a bit pedestrian by Bayern, and I am not convinced that you know they won that game and. Um, Wolfsburg probably put up more of a fight than they have in ever against Bayern, uh, probably since that five-one when uh, Grafite scored with his back heel. Um, but I, I'm with Archie. I think if anything, this press conference showed weakness, and I I'm not. Uh, yes, they they responded well by winning that game, but I don't think it was the kind of performance that made me think. Okay, well they they're back on track. Uh, I think that it, that. That there's going to be a bunch of games coming up. Even the game against Mainz, they will probably be challenged more by Mainz than they will be by Wolfsburg. Simply because Wolfsburg didn't seem to have any positive ideas of how to break this Bayern side down. I think if you come in with a positive game plan, a quick transition play, you will you can hurt this Bayern side. So I, I think the judgment on that um is still out, in my opinion.
1: Well, Chris, we talked about, you know, players going out, players coming in or whatever. Uh, I mean, players that we've talked about going out for a very long time is Robin and Rebery and, you know, them possibly ending this season. We talked about it possibly being last season. People are saying, are oh, Bayern, a lot of their squad over the hill. Uh, do you think that the players that they've got um, within that squad are, are capable of, um, you know, covering for these players once they do go? Do you think they've got the quality in the side?
2: Well, I mean, we've spoken at length before that maybe they haven't got as much in-depth as they'd like, especially if you look at squad numbers. They have been hampered by injury, uh, which is always unfortunate, especially if you're in a bad vein of form. The last thing you need is is players not playing um, particularly well and then going off injured. I mean, also, um, Leon Gretzger hasn't settled particularly well for me. Um, Renato Sanchez played well. Um, and he looks like he could settle, but long term, is he going to be the player that everybody thought he was? You know, don't forget he went out on loan last season, didn't have potentially the best of times. But uh, if we're on about buying, getting themselves out of this form, you know, just by holding that press conference and saying we want a little bit more respect, that isn't going to sort out on the pitch instantly. They're in a bad vein of form and they're going to have to come through that. And unfortunately for them, um, they are a little weak at the moment and the rest of the Bundesliga sides can see that. I mean, we had Wolfsburg saying in their press conference before that they think Bayern are beatable and they're going to go at them. Now, whether they did or didn't, is a different matter. But the fact that teams are saying that, you know, it's not Hamburg who are going to roll over and, and get five, six, seven, pumped past them anymore. It's, um, it's his team's going to go out and try and fight them. And I think, brutally honest, that's what they need because I think that's been their failure in Europe over the past few seasons is that when they've been really tested, um, they haven't been able to stand up to it. I know they were undone by a couple of poor refereeing decisions against Real Madrid, but it always seems to come at the at the crunch when they need to be able to dig in for a fight at a higher level. They haven't been able to do that. And I do think that be- comes from not getting a stern test week in, week out. So whilst they might not like it, I think ultimately them getting a sterner test week in, week out Will help them ultimately in Europe.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, mean, I, I suppose just quickly before we move away from Byron, we can speak a little bit more uh, about Dortmund, who are now um Archie, uh, what's this about your later hose? It, it seems like since you appeared on social media with your later hose on, everything's fall to pieces for Byron. Have, have you finally taken them off? And, and hence they've got a victory this week?
4: <laughs> you say since. Since I appeared on social media with Lederhosen. To be fair, I did upload the picture myself, uh, of, of, my, of me and the Lederhosen. Um, but I, I think, I think to try and pinpoint the curse exactly, it was from the moment that I actually, uh, managed to wear the Lederhosen, which was before buying against Augsburg, uh, to the point where I actually then lost my Lederhosen, uh, in Berlin. Um, managing to leave them on a train, don't ask how. Um, during that period where I didn't have my Lederhosen, Bayern just couldn't win. Um, but I got my and back before the Wolfsburg game. And, and with that, I think the curse is perhaps over. To make a, a serious point very quickly, <laughs> um, just about Wolfsburg, I was so very disappointed with their performance on Saturday. Mainly because what they'd shown in the first two games of the season, particularly against Bayer Leverkusen, I was at the Bay Arena for a game where they they tore Leverkusen to shreds and were playing a really attractive style of football that you wouldn't necessarily associate with Bruno Labbadia. But since then, I mean, Saturday was their sixth game without a win, and I think most concerningly was against a Bayern Munich side which is not particularly quick, particularly without. Uh, Kingsley Coman at the moment. Serge Gnabry, I think, offers them a, a certainly a, a speedy outlet, that's for sure. But they the, that they weren't able to hold their nerve. I know that Kern Castile, the goalkeeper, was very frustrated. He had a very good game on Saturday. But I think it's a worrying sign. And, and particularly that run of form that they're having now, winning your first two games and then going on a bit of a winless run, it reminds me of Hamburg last season. And given the way that Wolfsburg have have managed to... Fall into the relegation playoff spot for the past two seasons. I do worry a little bit about what direction they're going in now.
1: Yeah, well, I think uh, we've touched on this game and Bayern um, enough. Uh, one final question, just for Manu: uh, Do you see uh, Bayern breezing past A.K. Athens uh, in Greece uh, tomorrow night in the Champions League?
3: Uh, yes, I do. I think I've put down four nil for Bayern, um, but <laughs> that's not that's not going to be the think Athens are not going to be the, the standard of the team that they're going to face um, going forward.
1: No, definitely not. So let's move on and talk about the side that are top of the Bundesliga in Borussia Dortmund. Uh, Chris, we'll obviously go to you on it. Um, 4-0 victory at the weekend. Very impressive stuff.
2: Yeah, in, in truth, it could have been a lot more. Um, in the first half, um, I thought Dortmund were excellent. Sancho scored inside of well, I think it was three minutes. It was credited. Um, it's f- fantastic performance. And if we've talked about Bayern maybe being underconfident and in a, in a bad rut of form, then, um, Dortmund are completely the opposite. They just transformed, um, under Lucy and Fabra. There wasn't much pressing going on and they didn't need to. They were quite happy to give Stuttgart the ball and then just pick them off. The, the speed in which they counter attacked with was just phenomenal. I'm, I'm really looking forward to going, um, to signal Duna Park this Saturday and watching them play against Hertha Berlin because, I mean, there's two teams who have been playing okay recently um, with Hertha, and I think that's got everything to be a fantastic fixture, but it could have been a lot more. Um, Changes were made at half-time. You know, the score was um, was 3-0 at the time and they were, I mean, it could have been five or six, and changes were made. They sort of took their foot off the gas a bit and I think that gave Stuttgart something to look forward to because, um, you know, poor old um, poor old Marcus Vinzels come in and and had a, a spanking on his first game, but Stuttgart really took it to them in the second half. Especially early on, they were unlucky not to get a couple of goals. Maybe, you know, the scoreline and the pressures a little bit different on Dortmund, but um, yeah, Dortmund overall were, were phenomenal, and if they can take that form into the Champions League, last season will be a distant memory quite soon.
1: Archie, is this the year? Is this the year we get a different, a a different champion? I think in comparison to last season,
4: there's a much better chance that there is because this Dortmund side, unlike Peter Bosch's version at at this stage last season, looks solid or a a lot more solid defensively and, and particularly the way that they're going forward right now. I, I think there's a few more tests for them to come and, and the fact that they've only been able to keep clean sheets so far this season against sides who are who are dithering around the wrong end of the table for me, the, the likes of Stuttgart, Nuremberg, Hanover. I, I still think there there are going to be tougher tests to come. But particularly the way that Marco Royce is playing, I was talking to Stefan Buschko, who reports for Dortmund, uh, who reports on Dortmund for ESPN, and he was he was talking about the way that Marco Royce is being used and how Favre. It, it took him a little bit of time to try and work out how to get the best out of his squad, but as, as he put it quite, quite nicely, um, that game against Nuremberg where they won 7-0 was, was a key moment. Like when Spider-Man discovers he can shoot spiderwebs from his wrists, as he so eloquently put it. Um, <laughs> j- j- just the way they were able to really have that space to explore in a Bundesliga game where I, I don't think usually they get that kind of space. Um, and I, th- I think that sort of ruthlessness that, they're, that they've been able to show, that sort of fluidity is is something that wasn't there under Peter Sturger for example after after he replaced Peter Bosch last season so I, I really like the balance of this side with Thomas Delaney and Axel Witzel, who's who's rightly been very highly praised since since he arrived in the summer as well so um to to try and come back with a, a solid answer to your question in terms of is this the year I think it might be yes.
1: Oh, we like predictions on here. Um, Manu, uh, talking about um, Bayern and uh, signings, and maybe them not having invested the right time or in the right way. Uh, we we look at this Dortmund side. You're with the the new additions that they, they've brought in and. They all seem to be working out quite well, don't they? You know, not not just Sancho who's, who's been uh, very impressive, but you know, Witzel, again, possibly your transfer of the uh, of the season so far.
3: Uh, I really liked it when they brought in Vitzel. Um, you know, every, everyone was talking about Paco Alcázar, but I was really excited about Witzel because he's a character player. I think Delaney is is a fantastic transfer as well. It's exactly the kind of players that they needed, but. Um maybe we shouldn't talk about the players that they brought in, but instead the coach. Because Lucien Favre identified all these these signings. Uh, Paco Alcazar was very much uh the player that Favre wanted. So it, um I think it was Martinez, the Belgian coach, who said Witzel was the transfer of the year. Um and he meant in all of Europe. Sure, but it was it was Favre who you know said that's the kind of player we need. Uh, same with Paco Alcasa. So maybe um uh, instead of focusing on the players, we really need to focus on Favre and the the things that he's doing with the side. And I think that is really the most exciting aspect about this whole Dortmund project is what Favre is doing with all these players on the on the pitch. And I mean, Archie, you're quite right. Um what what he's doing with Royce is fantastic. And Royce was very much behind uh, getting Favre to Dortmund, right? Because they, they worked together at Gladbach. Mm-hmm. Um so I think maybe instead of the, yes, all these transfers, they're fantastic signings, but it was really Fabru put it all together.
4: I think the biggest thing this hangs on this season is can they keep Marco Royce fit for the yeah. entirety of the season? 100%. Because he's managed to start all eight games so far, which even just looking back on today, I was a bit stunned at. And he's he's now managed to keep fit across the World Cup. Okay, he was out the international break, but I think if if we were to to look at that and, and scrutinise, you would say that 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 was just him managing his body correctly. Yes. I think if Roy stays fit for the season, then we will get a, a an exciting title race.
1: Oh, come on, we all want it, don't we? Um, Oh, apart from maybe the Bayern fans, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Chris, uh, I'll just go to you, uh, finally. I mean, we've got, uh, another midweek game for, uh, Dortmund as they play Atletico Madrid in the Champions League. Um, Atletico, obviously, an extremely difficult tie, but things have started well for Dortmund in Europe. Um, are they going to continue?
2: Well, Archie said they're going to face a Test and quite right. This week, they're going to face an exceptionally stern test. I mean, Atletico Madrid are a fantastic side. Um, It's key that Dortmund qualify out of their group. Now, whether they do that first or second, I ultimately don't think it makes a difference because of the strength of teams that you get through to the final stages of the Champions League. Um, Having watched Liverpool and and going all the way to Kiev last season, I I don't really think it matters where you finish because of the strength of teams you're going to play. So, as long as they get into the final stages... um, it's going to be good for them against the Atletico Madrid side. They're going to face a real stern test and maybe that's where, um, the back line will, will face their sternest test. I do like the, the, the back four they're playing with at the moment. I think they're exceptional. This is a Dortmund side that has got youth in abundance, um, and a sprinkling of elder statement. If you look at Roy Solo, I know he's not that old, but he's been there a while and Mario Gotza can still come in and, and, and do the damage when needed. So. I think this, this Champions League match day will be a stern test for them. Um and then of course they're straight back into action on the weekend against Hertha Berlin who've been playing well, maybe slipped up over the weekend, but you know, they're another team that are playing well and, and this is where I think we'll start to judge Dortmund as these games come thick and fast and uh, and how do they respond to it because at the minute they're playing fantastic, but I just worry, like Archie said, that if Marco Royce goes off injured and they get maybe a couple more. Who comes in? I mean, don't forget, Julian Weigel's not been in this side yet. Where does he fit in at some point? So um, it's going to be interesting to see. But I think everybody is going to want a full title challenge. and Give Bayern their due, but six years on the trot gets a bit monotonous, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so let's move on even further. Um, Archie, um, I, I think we need to discuss... Um, not just Hoffenheim's victory at the weekend, but uh, Reece Nelson, uh, the young Englishman, who um, seems to be having a fantastic time out in the Bundesliga. He, he scored twice at the weekend. He did.
4: And two really well-taken goals as well. The first one, a volley on the turn, which is not particularly easy. And then the second one, managing to find the roof of the net from a tight angle. I thought, uh, excellent performance. And, and what a show of his character as well to continue to perform like this. It's because I've seen it with other white players who have come over. Uh, to, to think about Adam Ola-Lukman, for example, who, who did manage to do well during his time at Leipzig. We saw how keen they were to sign him during the summer. Uh, less successfully, Ryan Kent last season, for example. It doesn't necessarily always work out. But I think that you see it with Jadon Sancho as well. There is a certain Englishness about these players where they are so direct in the way that they run at their players and are able to run at... Um, at their opponents even, which I would say that not, not all German, not all young German wingers have maybe the same confidence in terms of taking on their, their player on a, in in a one-on-one duel like that. I'm not sure how many players are, are, I I would say the Bundesliga has like that. I would say it's a, a weakness. You're, you're generally more encouraged as a younger player here to, to lay it off to the other man, abspielen, as they say. So. I would say that the way that Nelson has is is programmed. I would say is is very encouraging, and to work with someone like Julian Nagelsmann, Hoffenheim have created the most chances in the division this season. I think they are probably one of the most unpleasant sides to play against because you know that they will always create something in the game. And for uh, Nelson to receive the sort of education that he's going to this season, I think is a, is is not just a good thing for Arsenal, but for English football as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Chris, I uh, I would imagine you would agree as well. It's it's good for English football actually these uh, young English players going over to the Bundesliga and, and getting given a chance to work with with such great uh, coaches, you know, and and in attacking sides as well like this.
2: I think it's great for the English national side because obviously all these players will at some point come in. I don't think it's particularly good for the English Premier League because it's having to Send its, its youth out to get experience in one of Europe's other top um, five leagues. So, and I think we've talked before, the pressures on Premier League managers is so big for them to get results. Sometimes they don't have the appetite to develop these young players, but they're getting in the Bundesliga. I'm, I'm really glad Hoffenheimer climbing back up the table. Um, and then they're a great side under Nagelsman. Um, and I thought they were so unlucky the other week against Manchester City. And I'm really interested to see how they get on, um, against Lyon because that's another good side who they're going to face. But for the players they had out for the last Champions League game and for them to put the type of result in and, and really push City all the way, um, and unfortunately just, you know, get nicked at the end. Um, it's just, it's another good sign for me. And Nelson being at Hoffenheim, they're playing great football back up to eighth. Now, I was a little worried earlier on in the season because they were, they were down the wrong end of the table. But I think the way they're playing at the moment, given a couple of weeks, and they'll be knocking on the door of fifth again.
1: And Chris, uh, how do you think they'll get on midweek against uh, Olympic uh, Leon? It's, it's obviously been a rather tough start to the Champions League for them this season.
2: Yeah, yeah, as I say, I think, I mean, if they can play anything the sort of way they did against Manchester City and they created chances early on, don't forget they took the lead, uh, I think it was inside the first minute or definitely inside the first two minutes in that game, uh, if they can make the chances, they'll they'll score because of the players they've got, um, but on the other side of that, Leon have been playing exceptionally well, so... Um For Hoffenheim, it is just another learning curve. I thought they did very well in the Europa League last season. You know, Nagelsmann did a lot of learning in that public out in the open learning. And he looks to have brought that into the Champions League. And hopefully they can cement their place there. And if they can't get through this group into the knockout stages, hopefully they'll get into the Europa League.
1: And Manuel, I, I suppose then we better talk about the other German uh, Champions League uh, side. And that's Schalke. Uh, they've had a rather terrible start to the season. Uh, they had managed to get two victories in a row there. Uh, possibly some people thinking that they had turned a corner, but uh, another loss on Saturday. Um It seems to um, be what you were suggesting, that possibly the wheels had come off the bus. Um, and it it, it, it it just doesn't look very good for them at the moment, does it?
3: No. um I like the... The headline and kicker, um, Schalke wants Schalke back. Um, I think that the things that we praised uh, Tedesco for last season, this very defensive, tidy play is just gone. And I think it kind of confirms what Chris and I were sort of suggesting ahead of the season is, um, that the fact that he will have to develop the side, um, he will have to, Just playing defensive football, winning games 1-0 is not going to be enough for a very demanding crowd at the Feltins Arena of Schalke. And I think he's sort of struggling with that. He's, to, to get that cultural approach into, into Schalke's football seems to be very difficult for him. And I am worried. I'm worried about Schalke, to, to be honest. I think that they, they will probably get better results in, in the Champions League. Um, Galatasaray is, is their opponent and it, it's a difficult team to play against, but Galatasaray has a whole bunch of problems themselves. So I think the Champions League is almost going to be an area where they can recover from, um, their Bundesliga <laughs> losses in some ways. But I, I yeah, in the Bundesliga, I'm worried, worried for them because I just can't see, I can't see the, the Desco, um, doing that next step in development that Charles can need, um, in order to become a top side. You know, last year they scraped by, by so many games where they won 1-0, 2-1. And we all knew that their result last year was also mostly due to all the other top clubs struggling. And that's just not the case this year. So all of a sudden you have four or five teams that probably already had better potential than them last year performing normally and they all breeze past them. And, and then add to that a side like Werder Bremen, who have been fantastic this early on in the season, and, or maybe Frankfurt and Hertha look a lot better than did last year as well. So all of a sudden you are a team that is in trouble.
1: Well, that's it. Um, are Um, I suppose we better talk about, uh, Werner Bremen, who, uh, inflicted a, another loss on Schalke on Saturday. Um, I mean, they're sitting up in thirds. Um, and nobody would have called this. Back at the start of the season, only only one loss. I mean, are, are they for real, or are they the kind of team that probably, you know, in 2019, after the winter break, we'll, we'll see them maybe, you know, fade away? Well, this high in the table, I think, at this stage,
4: it was difficult to envisage. But credit to them, because at the very start of the season, they did what very few clubs who have gone a long time or a fair amount of time without European football would do, which is they said that their aim was European football. They wanted to qualify for the Europa League and I think they've partly been rewarded for that courage that they've shown so far. They're also one of these sides who are increasing the pressure on Domenico Tedesco because they are playing good football without the same resources as Schalke for example. But I think one of the biggest things they've done this season or and is real credit to Florian Kohfeldt is they've really taken away that dependency that was there on Max Cruiser to fire the, the, the fact that Davy Klaassen has come in and, and done and done well, I, I would say quietly well. He's not necessarily been scoring every week, but the, the amount of yards that he covers for the team is very important. But also the way that Maximilian Egerstein has been starting to blossom that little bit more as well. Two goals for him on Saturday. Really impressed with Bremen so far. And I think that they certainly can hit that European goal come the end of the season. I would expect them to slide back a few places, particularly because we've not seen them play against Dortmund, Gladbach, or Bayern so far this season. There's, there's still, I, I, I think a lot of people were saying that, that if they were going to qualify for Europe, then this was a very good chance because they have had a reasonably gentle start to the season. But all the same, you consider the kind of football they were playing under Alexander Nuri beforehand and the way that Kerfeld has managed to not just not just get them out of trouble, but get them out of trouble playing decent football as well. All credit to Kurfeld I would say.
1: They may be in poor form by our Leverkusen, but that'll be a tougher task for them uh, when they come up against them in, in their next uh, match day, I feel. Um, guys, I, we need to talk about Sunday. We need to talk about Jonas Hoffman. Um, Chris, a fantastic hat-trick uh, for him in the Gladbach side, that 4-0 victory over Mainz. Um, possibly a, a player to get into the German national side, or, or is that too big a, a, a shout?
2: Well, he spoke to um, Sky Sport after the game um, uh, on the pitch side and said that was his plan and he was hoping to do it. So, um, maybe, I mean, Germany have uh, got massive strength and depth in the national side, but you would hope, maybe, that Joachim Love gives players a chance when they come through. Sort of did it last time out with Schultz, maybe, getting a nod over Hector. Um, but we'll wait and see, but... I mean, this is another side that have just seemed to be playing so much better football than they were last season. Um, and Dieter Hecking, I think this is where, if there's any doubts about Niko Kovac, where do they get rid of him early? There was plenty of times last season when Dieter Hecking could have gone, but they stuck with him and he had a plan. And that's starting to come to fruition now, which is why I'm a big believer in giving coaches time, not just... You know, it's not nineteen ninety Serie A where they're changing managers after they lose three games or draw three games, or like the old Spanish system, you know, you lose three games for Real Madrid, you're out the door. Um but Dieter Hecking's done it, at Gladbach, is he's he's sort of got them playing some fantastic football again and they're just a joy to watch at the moment. I mean Matthew was in the um was at Bruce Park, wasn't he? And he had a couple of fantastic games this season uh, sorry, on this weekend to watch and um they're just a real joy to watch at the moment, come back.
1: Yeah, they really are, and, and their fans and Hacking will be hoping that they can keep them so high up in the table. Second might be a big ask, though. But Manu, let's um, let's just look at this uh final uh, topic uh, of the day. Um, you know, Berlin—they've they've got a bit of a proposal. What exactly is this? They want to extend the the number of teams in the league.
3: Yeah, so this was actually a question that was sent in from our one of our listeners, and the this proposal. Um, was published by union berlin i think it 's now two weeks ago, even even three and um, It was a general proposal by um to to make a whole whole changes to the structure of german football um and it, it I called for more um sharing of television revenue um teams in the in champions League for example, giving a cut to lower teams um changes to the league structure, including the third division into the DFL, for example, um maybe even bringing in salary caps, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It wasn't all well perceived. But um the one question that we got was, should the Bundesliga move to 20 teams, which was one of the proposals um, in Berlin asked that they, the two top flights should be 20 teams each. Now, um, this is something I've been drumming out on, about, um, mainly because... I support a team maybe that's not in the Bundesliga and I hope that there would be a higher chance for them getting back into it. But Germany is the country of the biggest population in Europe. And yet of the top leagues, we're the only ones that have the luxury of only having 18 teams um, in the two top flights. And I think that there's a lot of teams. I mean, you look at the current Liga 3, the third division, um, the amount of big clubs that are in that division, um, there is enough room for four more teams in the two top flights. So yes, I'm 100% behind this. And I think that for some smaller teams, the extra games, um, in the Bundesliga and Bundesliga two, um, we talked a little bit off air about, um, revenue, right? And the, how much ticket revenue plays into it and uh, how in England it isn't a big deal. In Germany, that's very much not the case. It, it is a big deal and the extra games can produce revenue for clubs. So I am personally very much for 20 teams in the two top flights. Um, I think it would open room for, um, more clubs to maybe, um, you know, get it right, finally break into the league. We see Fortuna, Dusseldorf and Nuremberg struggling. Those used to be big clubs. And maybe in a, when we have the 40 teams in the top two divisions, um, it would just allow teams to, to grow a bit more and, um, get their foot into the door in the top flight again. Um, but yeah, the floor is open. I mean, I'm very curious, for example, what do you think, Archie. I mean, you, you follow the Premier League. Premier League has 20 teams. I think the second division has 24 teams in England, right? Um, so I, I it don't. does. Know if, Uh, So I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm just looking at at, it the the wrong way. So curious to hear what you think. Well,
4: firstly, if by big teams in the German third division you mean Fortuna Köln, then
3: yes, of course I do agree with you. Um, (laughs) I was thinking of someone in Munich, (laughs) but sure.
4: (laughs) (laughs) I thought I thought you might be. Uh, I'm I'm more of a fan of of less is more. Mm. I have to say, I think that the Bundesliga needs to be thinking about how can it retain a reputation of being different from the others? And I think that actually by having 18 teams in the division, I think that is something I, I would, I would certainly be on board with a greater distribution in terms of the TV money, because I think yeah. that, that they probably want to get more out of the second division, uh, because the entertainment that you get there, if even if the quality of the football as shown by the way that both Dusseldorf and Nuremberg, the two promoted sides, have both now been hit for seven within the opening eight games of the season. That that does put a certain question mark over in terms of the gap between the Bundesliga and the Bundesliga 2. I think that actually the Bundesliga gets it right um, in terms of the balance of of, of teams that you have there. I, I think you're certainly right about wanting to try and accommodate the likes of Kaiserslautern, for example, and 1860 as well. But I'm, I'm not too sure whether whether that would necessarily... Im- it, it, it depends what you want. I'm not sure whether it would improve the quality of, of German football or, or necessarily open up so much more cash to clubs that it would really benefit them.
3: Yeah, I think the distribution of TV money is probably a more pressing topic. I think England sure. does, England does that better. The, the the Premier League has better distribution, more even distribution, and I mean this gets us back to our big topic with Bayern. Um, just take twenty percent of Bayern's television share and distribute it to the rest of the league, and it will open up and become more competitive. I think that is really the the simplest answer to it to to the question of competitiveness.
4: Sure, but good luck with trying to take that money from Bayern. Yeah. Um.
3: (laughs) I think being banned from the buffet would be the least of all worries if we tried to do (laughs) that.
1: I'm pretty sure they'd make a press conference about it anyway, man. Um, Anyway, that's just got me banned. Um, But yeah, I think, guys, that's going to have to do it for today. Uh, We we could probably have a podcast on its own about um, an extended league. But, um, Archie, thank you very much for, uh, for coming on. Um, we'd like to give you the opportunity to um, to promote uh, what you've maybe got going on, um, or um, maybe just um, tell people you know, wh- where they can find you on social media with your leader hose and, and that on. Where they can find me? Well, if, if, if you
4: want to literally find me, that'll be in Cologne. If you want to find me online, that'll be at archiert one and on there, you can follow certain musings about what's going on in the Bundesliga, uh, which fans are carrying the most Bratverse, uh, pictures of me and Lederhosen, and, and much, much more. Um, but, but yeah, uh, Archie at archiert
1: one on Twitter. Yeah, I must say, it's always an enjoyable kind to follow, Archie. Yeah, well done. Um, Manu, what have you got going on this week? There's Champions League, there's uh, Europa League. There, I would imagine that an awful lot going on across the uh, football grad network.
3: Yeah, and that's pretty much it. Um, Europa League, Champions League. And uh, I'm working on an article. Um, it's going to take a bit of time, I think, just because of all the deadlines of Champions League and Europa League on the the gap between Bundesliga and Bundesliga 2 and um, Nuremberg and Fortuna Dusseldorf's problem. So that will be out, at, I guess, maybe the later end of the week.
1: Good. And Chris Williams, uh, where do people find you online or what have you got going on that you'd like to draw people's attention
2: to? Well, I'm, um, I'm at Anfield on Wednesday to cover uh, Red Star Belgrade's visit uh, for Football Grad. And then on the weekend, um, I'm going to Dortmund. First of all, on Friday night, I'm going out for a meal with some friends, which would be very nice. And then on Saturday, I'll be there to cover the Hertha game. Very jealous.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You're just always jealous of football. Graduate (laughs) Network, you'd think we're starved of food. Um, But, um, yeah, guys, um, if you want any reports or anything like that, any other... Um, information on, on football over the next few days or weeks or the season, I suppose, head over to @footballgrad live on Twitter. There's so much information. Uh, we'd like to thank everybody who's tuned in, listens, or appeared on the podcast over the uh, last hundred. Um, we, we're hoping to continue and do another hundred, follow by another hundred, and so forth. Uh, but without your support, it wouldn't be possible. So we, we really do thank you uh, very much. I've been your host, Brian Stone. You can find me on Twitter at point 11 and that does it for today's show number 100 of Peter end
0: ich war seit Wochen auf diesen tag und tanz vor freude über den asphalt als wärs sein rhythmus als gäb's sein lied weiter durch die straßen zieht kommen die entgegen ich hab zu holen it wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy right